is A-M-E-N, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. From Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure friendly hotlines are open. 877 Dave 007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time. For the General, General Cigar, Cigar Day. What an interesting week. An incredible college football national championship loaded with celebratory victory cigars. We will get to that in complete detail. I want to follow up to last week's breaking news item that four major cigar manufacturers announcing they will not be attending the Premium Cigar Association Convention in Vegas this coming July. We will get to that, full details on that. And we'll be joined by Bernard Sanders. As you know, Bernard had those little debate earlier this week. Bernard got into it with Focahontas. We're going to get into that beautiful soundbite that we will capture on that. And the Critics' Choice Awards. So glad they served a vegan meal. We will hit that as well. I may not be at 100% today, as you can definitely hear, but I am ready to go. Long Ash greetings and salutations. A Long Ash snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. And screw this upper respiratory infection that I picked up. Uh, As you can hear, I definitely sound on the nasal side, and I absolutely got whacked. Earlier in the week, actually last weekend, right after uh, Pleasure Maneuvers, Alpha Male Broadcast Pleasure Maneuvers, started to feel the dry throat, getting a little bit sore, and then all of a sudden it starts spreading to the chest with the dry hacking cough. And of course, the resident physician, the Surgeon General of the Alpha Male Entertainment Network on standby 24-7, my buddy Dr. Spiros took great care of me. Made sure I had the appropriate injection to reduce the inflammation, which definitely helped. But you just got to let it ride the course. So I was in bed just absolutely whacked. And I was accompanied by numerous hot alphas. You've heard of a hot toddy? Well, we've got the hot alpha, and that's what my libation of choice will be today. In fact, let me take a sip right now. Mm. Ah, as it soothes the throat. But I absolutely got whacked between the throat, then it goes down into the chest, the dry hacking, then you get it softening up and you get all the junk coming out of there, and then it travels right up into the sinuses and nasal passages. And even though I'm operating today, I'm telling you right now, I'm, there's nowhere near I'm at 50%, I am still far superior than any other betas or of the wussified betas or enemies of pleasure that we see. I can take them seriously at 40% peak efficiency. No ifs, ands, or buts. As always, don't forget, follow us on social media. Go to CigarDave.com, Twitter, at CigarDaveShow, Facebook, CigarDave, Instagram, CigarDave. All right, big, big victory. The LSU Tigers. Go Tigers! I love Ed Orgeron. And in fact, in the next hour, we're going to be joined by noted college football analyst and uh, drafting expert, 
Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. We actually did a college football preview earlier in the year before the college football season began. We had him on in August for college football preview maneuvers. And I talked extensively about Ed Orgeron. Absolutely love Ed Orgeron going back to his Syracuse days. Great coach, great recruiter, perfect coach for LSU. A lot of heat he took the last year or so. How about now? Anybody complaining in Louisiana in the bayou? I don't think so. How about the people at USC? Do they look like a bunch of schmucks? Pat Hayden, who I always had a lot of respect for. But what I've learned about past Pat Hayden the last number of years, I've totally lost respect for that bastard. Totally. Boy, did he ever blow it. Instead of bringing in Ed Orgeron, he brings in Steve Sarkeesian. Anybody want a drink? Have a cocktail. I actually have about a dozen cocktails. The guy couldn't stay sober during, uh, during the games. Has to get rid of him. If they would have kept Ed Orgeron, USC very well may could have been national champions by now. Who knows? But he is a national championship with LSU. Incredible. 42-25 victory over the Clemson Tigers. Their third national championship LSU in 16 years. Joe Burrow, Heisman winning quarterback. Outstanding performance, throwing for 463 yards, five touchdowns, ran for another touchdown, and running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 110 yards on the ground, and afterwards... There was incredible, ample amounts of cigar victory celebratory maneuvers going on. In fact, LSU, within probably an hour after the championship, they had a great video they posted on social media showing Joe Burrow chilling out, having a cigar, and then going in the locker room where guys were jumping up and down. We're going to play that a little bit later on, but it was absolutely fantastic. But... As always, leave it to some enemy of pleasure rat bastard to try to interfere with the celebratory maneuvers. While they were enjoying victory cigars in the locker room after winning the national championship, capping a historic season, undefeated for the Louisiana State University Tigers, they're smoking cigars. Big postgame party. I mean, there's cigars everywhere. It's a beautiful thing. Now think about that. Isn't that the way celebration should go? This team worked hard. They didn't get in any trouble. They kept their nose to the grindstone. They were undefeated. They came came from behind after Clemson came out pretty strong. They win the national championship. They're having a good time. They're celebrating in the way that we, as cigar connoisseurs and alphas, love to celebrate. Fire up a victory cigar. That's what they were doing. They were smoking cigars, and some of their cigar smoking technique wasn't great. They didn't properly light it. There was definitely some canoeing going on on some of the cigars. But I'll tell you who did look good. Joe Burrow, the quarterback, he looked like he's – there's a great picture of him, and we'll post it. He's just sitting there, his leg crossed, got the cigar in his right hand to his mouth. He's got his – his uh, left arm outstretched over a bench or over another chair, and he's just—you can just tell the expression on his face is, "Damn, we're good. We won. This is victory. We deserve this. This is the aroma. This is the smell. This is the taste of victory." Looked absolutely great. Well, leave it to an enemy of pleasure 
to try to interfere in the celebration. While they were enjoying cigars in the locker room, some schmuck enemy of pleasure cop from Louisiana or New Orleans comes in and he stands up. I mean, basically stands up apparently on a on a chair and screams, announcing to the players that any player smoking cigars in the locker room would be subject to arrest. And several players that were holding cigars and smoking, they looked at the guy and they just laughed at him. Thought it was a joke. The cop wasn't, he was serious. He threatened to arrest any players. Now the good news is, a cop with some common sense came along and said to the other cop, stand down. They're celebrating. Let's not go overboard here. But how stupid must that cop be? I mean, this cop that wanted to interrupt a victory celebration to say, anybody that's smoking a cigar is subject to arrest. I would love to see that. Do you know how stupid, how schmucky, how putsy the city of New Orleans would look? Now, the city of New Orleans, as you know, looks like a dump to begin with. I'm not a New Orleans fan. I hate New Orleans. I like the people in New Orleans. The people are great. The city smells like puke 24-7. It's hot. It's humid. The last place on earth I want to go for anything is New Orleans. If you live in New Orleans, I'm sorry. I'm telling you the facts. I have zero interest in going. People say, let's go to New Orleans for a weekend. Why? I have zero interest. Not my cup of tea. The people are great. The number of people that I've met there that love cigars, that are accommodating, they couldn't be nicer. Whenever the Cigar Retailers Convention was held in New Orleans, the hotel staff, the wait staff, the restaurant staff, the hospitality, they couldn't have been nicer. Great folks. Love the people. But the city? Ugh. Please. And this just caps it. But can you imagine how stupid they would have looked, the city of of New Orleans would have looked, or the state of Louisiana, when their beloved LSU Tigers win a championship, players enjoying a cigar, victory cigars, in the spirit of celebration. One time, it's not like they're lighting them up before every game. It was after the game, after everybody had left the stadium. They're in the locker room. It's a private celebration for all practical purposes, but this schmuck cop goes up and yells, Anybody smoking cigars will be arrested, please. What a horse's ass. And luckily, another cop, supervisor with some common sense, came up and said to the other cop, okay, back down. Back down, Barney Fife. Easy, Barney. Take the bullet out of your, take, take the bullet out of your gun and just chill out. Hold your water, Barney. It's okay. And they continued to enjoy their cigars. And, of course, there was Odell Beckham Jr. Throwing, throwing cash into the locker room. And, by the way, looks as though now that is technically an offense to the NCAA. So LSU initially thought he was throwing fake money, but they determined it was real money, and they had to self-report to the NCAA. Nothing's going to come out of that. But it is just ridiculous that uh, even something as a gesture like that, where it's all in fun, has to be reported to the NCAA. And the number of social media messages I received and emails in general, did you see this? This pleasure cop? What the hell? Of course I saw it. I was on it. No ifs, ands, or buts. And there is there was a press conference after the game with Coach Ed Orgeron. There was Joe Burrow and several other players. And Burrow had his cigar. He's 
puffing. He's going to town on that cigar. Take a listen. After the press conference ends and Joe Burrow leaves, take a listen to what Coach O said to quarterback Joe Burrow about the cigar. Take it easy on that cigar, boy. Take it easy on that cigar, boy. Play that one more time, Sergeant Steve. I love that. Take it easy on that cigar, boy. I mean, that is just a classic. Because I tell you, Joe Burrow, he was puffing to town. He was really, really, really going to town. By the way, what were the cigars that they handed out? They came from Carl Malone, the former basketball player. His son is the strength and conditioning coach. And Carl Malone has his own line of cigars. Saw him last year at the Cigar Retailers Convention. Actually, he was a very pleasant guy. Very, very pleasant guy. And that's the cigars that they handed out. People were saying, what, what cigars can you find out? Now you know the rest of the story. So a fantastic win. And this is a classic there, that picture that I was talking about, Joe Burrow sitting on the chair, cigar in his right hand, very pensive, leg is crossed, has his uh, left arm over the chair or over the sofa. In Cincinnati, they have created a T-shirt because I say they should. The Cincinnati Bengals should be picking him number one, but with Mike Brown at the helm, you never know. Sergeant Steve, I know you're Wait a minute, wait a minute. He doesn't like Skyline Chili. I don't know if he can be the number one pick. Oh, by the way, that's right. He did, and he's from Ohio, but he said there was some tweet that he posted about Skyline Chili. And you know what, Steve? It was from a couple years ago, and so then it's been brought back up because the Bengals are most likely going to take him number one, and he's doubled down on it now. Right, and do you remember what he said about Skyline Chili? I don't remember the exact verbiage, but... He didn't. It's garbage or something like that. But it wasn't. It wasn't exactly it. But well, he's right. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's he's right. I mean, listen, Cincinnati's got some nice delicacies, but I'm sorry, putting chili on spaghetti ain't one of them. Now, here's the thing. No, no, Sergeant Steve. You don't just put regular spaghetti or chili on spaghetti. You put Cincinnati-style chili on spaghetti, and it's delicious. Yes, it gives you extra heartburn. You add some onions. You add some beans. You make it a three or four or five way. Yeah, that's a five alarm is what it is by the time you wake up in the middle of the night. But this picture they have from Cincinnati Shirts, it's called Smoking Joe. It's a T-shirt with with him, a picture of him smoking his cigar. Now, here's the thing, Sergeant Steve. The people in Cincinnati are so irate. And do you want to know why they're irate? Not only because Joe Burrow hates Skyline Chili. It has been determined. I have exclusively found this out. Joe Burrow's favorite food is buffalo chicken wings. And he has demanded that Buffalo trade for him, move up in the draft. So Cincinnati will be trading down to the Buffalo Bills, and Joe Burrow will be selected with the first selection by the Buffalo Bills. Actually, Mike Brown pulled a good deal for him. I think we gave him an eighth rounder, a ninth rounder, and a ninth rounder next year for the first round pick. You know what? So Joe take, Burrow coming to Buffalo. I'll take that as long as Josh Allen's not in the deal. Uh, well, we'll take, we'll keep Josh Allen as a backup. He's good as a backup, but Joe Burrow, and this is the one thing, you know, I, I was really, it's very interesting. People know if they follow me on social media from day one, I have, and I like Josh Allen. He's a tough kid, likes playing in Buffalo. You want to root for the guy. He is a blue collar kind of guy. I like him. He's my kind of guy and I'm rooting for him. I, I, I personally like him, but I have to separate fact from fiction. And I know a lot of Bills Mafia will take issue with me, but I have stated, starting the night they drafted him, I watched all his games at Wyoming. Josh Allen has a big arm, and that's his claim to fame. Every scout, oh, he's got a big arm, big potential. It's just unharnessed, big, big arm. 
Josh Allen couldn't hit the Goodyear blimp if it's more than 30, years down, 30 yards downfield. That is fact. He has tremendous inaccuracy issues. And I was listening to Mike Leach. Mike Leach, who I am thrilled, is at Mississippi State. He's a brilliant guy. He's a very, very smart guy. Sergeant Steve, did you know that Mike Leach is an attorney? I Went did. To law school? I did, actually. Yeah, very bright guy. Very, very incredibly bright guy. People say he's odd and he's weird, and he is. But he's incredibly bright, and his offense were Listen, it is not easy winning at Washington State. You, you are in the middle of nowhere. You are facing Washington. you got Boise State. You've got other Pac-12 uh, Pac schools. It is not easy recruiting to Pullman, Washington. But they win every year with him. He did it at Texas Tech, getting into the top ten. That's incredible. Texas Tech was not exactly a football powerhouse. Everywhere he goes, he wins. And he made a very important point. Somebody asked him a question about, you know, the kind of quarterback that you're looking for. And he said, it's not so much the kind of quarterback I'm looking for. He said, because there are different quarterbacks. They're running quarterbacks. They're throwing. They're guys. But he said, the one thing that you can't teach, you either have or you don't, is accuracy. Josh Allen does not have accuracy. So what will happen is next year, he's grown, he's made progress. He's still finished, I think, dead last in quarterback efficiency this year. Was he an improvement this year? Did they get to the playoffs? Yes. Did he basically bumble and fumble uh, it in the, uh, in the uh, uh, wild card game against the Houston Texases? Yes, he did. Tried to do too much. He cannot throw long downfield with any accuracy. So what will happen is, I know Bill's Mafia, those of you listening on WBEN or listening on our mobile app, they will disagree with me because they all want to just drink the Bill's Mafia Kool-Aid. But again, I deal in reality, not in fantasy. And the reality is, if you've watched him in college, he's committing the same errors, has the same inaccuracy issues. You can tell me until I'm blue in the face, and you're blue in the face, that he has to work on his mechanics. His mechanics are not going to change. He doesn't have the accuracy. You cannot make chicken salad out of chicken droppings. It is that simple. So Josh Allen will never be a, an accurate quarterback. He is what he is. So after next year and he doesn't make the kind of progress, then the Bills will have a big decision because he then goes into his fourth year. They have an option on a fifth, which pays him much more. And then you look and say, is this the guy that's going to lead us? And if we have to sign him to a large contract, you're looking at 25, 28, 30 million a year. You want to commit to a guy that can't hit the Goodyear blimp 30 yards downfield? The answer is no. The Buccaneers are going through that right now with Jameis Winston. What's your prediction, Sergeant Steve? Jameis Winston signed or is he released by the ball? Not, not released. His contract is done. Do they franchise tag him? Do they sign him or do they let him walk? I think they'll franchise tag him. I think they're going to let him walk. I think they draft a quarterback and franchise tag him and let the, the, the draft of the quarterback sit behind him. I could see that. That could be a possibility. Could be a possibility. Now, getting back to the locker room issue, there was an ESPN reporter who had a big complaint, a big problem. Her name is Heather Dinich. She sent out a tweet stating, it was so unbelievably smoky in the LSU locker room from the players smoking cigars, I can taste it. And no, I didn't have one. It was suffocating. Oh, boo-hoo. Oh, this is horrible. Oh, she was suffocating from all the cigar smoke. Sweetheart, you're in a victory locker room, a celebratory locker room. You can't have champagne, so they were lighting cigars. And I, the, the responses to, to her tweet were amazing. 
Somebody who's a former journalist said this, and I'm going to I'm going to read it verbatim. Exhibit A for why women shouldn't be in a men's locker room. Got to agree on that. Also, Exhibit A, why my former colleagues are hated so much these days. Yep, little whiny. She is a little whiner. Oh, boo-hoo. She's got to cover the national championship game. ESPN sending their all expenses paid, and in the locker room, she had to be surrounded by cigar smoke. And also, he says, Exhibit A, for why I'm glad I retired from sports journalism back in 2013. The problem is this. Back in the old days... The journalists, they liked when there were cigars. In fact, many of them would smoke cigars themselves back in the locker room. But today, when you got dames like this Heather Dinich who complained about cigars, I say if you don't like the cigars, put a sign right up. We're smoking cigars. If it offends you, stay the hell out. We don't need you. We don't want you. So congratulations to the LSU Tigers. A huge victory. I love it, Orgeron. And in the next hour... We'll be joined by Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. We'll talk about that big victory. We'll talk about Ed Orgeron. He's the perfect guy for that job. And uh, it was just, and you could tell, I'll tell you, you knew I was sick. I watched the first half. I fell asleep in bed because I was so sick, just trying to get some sleep. For a couple of nights, I couldn't get sleep. However, I had a plan B. I DVR'd the entire game. Not only did I DVR the ESPN feed, but I also ESP, uh, uh, DVR'd the college uh, football coach con- uh, control room or command center feed. So I watched the second half of both and actually watched the game in its entirety from beginning to end. It was an incredible game. So congratulations to Ed Orgeron. Go Tigers! And uh, Joe Burrow, the next quarterback of your Buffalo Bills. Sorry, Steve. Sergeant Steve, the guy loves chicken wings, so he's coming to Buffalo. But don't worry, I'm sure your Bengals will do wonders with our seventh round and two ninth round picks. So the Buffalo Bills, oh, if only we could get Joe Burrow. That would be absolutely fantastic. And Sergeant Steve, I know you're a Bengals fan, and you say, there's no way the Bengals could screw this up. They're going to take Joe Burrow. Trust me. Uh, there's, we never there's say they way. can't screw it up. That's true. If there's a way, leave it to the Bengals. They'll screw it up. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is the Gatekeeper from Alec and Bradley. This cigar was blended with the help of Ernesto Perez Carrillo. This beautiful stick has notes of cedar, nuts, and leather, giving it a smooth and rich profile. You can get cigars like these shipped directly to you every month by joining the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Get details at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. 
to Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. A lot of brothers out there flaking and perpetrating, scared to kick reality. Yo, man, a lot of brothers out there flaking and perpetrating, scared to kick reality. Get the gas If you got them, smoke them, that's what they say. If you got them, smoke them, baby. That's what they say. They were smoking massive numbers of cigars. Monday night in the LSU locker room as they win the college football national championship. A fantastic game, 42-25 over the Clemson Tigers. And I have been a big fan of Ed Orgeron right from the beginning, back to his Syracuse days. And we'll talk about that in a second because... How prescient am I when you hear the audio of our college football preview back from August? But I want to welcome Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com, one of the foremost experts in college uh, scouting and pro scouting and breaking down games. Chris, have you come out of your uh, 25 TV football bunker for a few months to actually see the outside world? You know, I did. I went to the national championship game and thought of you as the game ended. They broke out cigars in the LSU locker room, and it is illegal to smoke inside the Superdome. There literally were some policemen that came in and threatened to arrest players if they smoked. And I said, I know somebody that would take offense to that. And I uh, thought that was utterly ridiculous. And, uh, of course, uh, good luck trying to arrest Joe Burrow after uh, putting together the year he did and the performance he did in the championship game. But, yes, it was, uh, it was a fond remembrance of, uh, of <laughs> Cigar Dave right there <laughs> tied to the championship game. So you were there, there you in go. spirit. I, I was there in spirit. Well, it's interesting in because smoke. we did talk about and it's right in, in, in wonderful aroma. That is the smell of victory, my friend. The it smell is. of victory and soon the smell of money for many of those players that will get drafted. But uh, we talked about it uh, just before we had you on that a police officer from New Orleans stood up and said, anybody smoking cigars is subject to arrest. And all the players started laughing at him. And I said, how ridiculous. This The, the guy, the cop must have been completely off his rocker. And then a supervisor came in and said, okay, let it go. I just... Chill out a little bit. Let's relax here. Let's not go overboard. So it was a great celebration. Uh, and the cigars actually came from Carl Malone. His That's son right. is the strength and conditioning coach for LSU. A little tie in there, a little twist. So he, they were definitely prepared. But you are a graduate of LSU, and you began your coaching career as a student assistant in the mid-'80s at LSU. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in, uh, in South Louisiana in a little town between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And Grew up going to LSU games with my mother, my father, my brother, long before you had uh, all the games on TV, when you had one game on TV. And I can remember one of the best gifts I ever got was a little five-inch black-and-white battery-operated television that I would watch the national game as we went to the LSU game. 
because at that time, if you didn't see the game live, you didn't see it because it just didn't make TV, but maybe once a year, uh, if that. So uh, th- times have changed. Uh, the environment's changed, but uh, certainly one of the things that uh, th- those of us that grew up knew the potential of the program, and really it was um, Nick Saban and, and really Mark Emmert, who's the head of the NCAA when he was a chancellor at LSU, that kind of took the program from a really sleeping giant to a full-fledged giant. And, um, you know, Nick moved on and Les Miles had some success. But as you mentioned, Ed Orgeron, um, things work out sometimes for the best when you don't think it is. And it's a good lesson for anybody in any profession. Uh, I don't remember him ever in the 35-plus years I've known him more down than when he did not get the USC job. And his wife, you know, Kelly told him, uh, you, you watch and see something's good is going to come out of this. And of course, you know, no one ever thinks it or believes it. When somebody tells you that you just think I married a crazy woman thinking that, but the reality is, uh, it did because there's no place that he'd rather be than back home. He is Louisiana. He is LSU. He went to school at LSU for about a week to 10 days, got homesick, ended up going to Northwestern state in Natchitoches to, um, join a friend of his that went to high school and grew up with in the same town, Bobby Bear, the former uh, quarterback. Bobby Bear, there uh, you go. And so uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Guys worked for Jimmy Johnson in Miami, and as you mentioned at Syracuse, and really credits a lot of learning a lot about recruiting from Paul Pascaloni, and of course spent a lot of time with Pete Carroll, and uh, so he's he's been touched by a lot of folks. Had an experience at Ole Miss that wasn't very good. He tried to do everything and be the the line coach, the head coach, the coordinator, and realize that that's not the way to do it. And it's a great lesson that, you know, when you fail, you learn if you can grow from it and don't, uh, and you're not stubborn. And so here he is with the greatest season without question in LSU football history, because they won every individual award imaginable, but none of that really matters. If you don't win the national championship they not only won it, but an impressive style never trailed in the fourth quarter of any game this year. And it's probably the best single season offensive performance I've ever seen in college football. Certainly the best single season performance I've seen out of a quarterback. So um, it's certainly a legendary magical type of year that will probably be impossible to replicate. Well, the one thing you didn't hear after the game, they didn't play anyone. They played a lot of tough top ranked teams. Alabama on Alabama's home turf, beat them. They had some very convincing victories. And how stupid must Pat Hayden think of himself right now passing on Ed Orgeron to bring in Sarkeesian, which I thought was a huge mistake from the beginning. And there was an interesting story that I read, a backstory, and I'm sure you're aware of it. There was a big booster, apparently, of the USC program. And Ed Orgeron got to know him very well and in his personal style, went to see him, and, and apparently they needed a field or something, and Ed Orgeron was able to, uh, to, to get it from this booster, and the booster was very involved, loved Ed Orgeron, and when they went 6-2, and two, he told Hayden, you need to hire this guy. This is the man we need for the program. We'll win a championship with him. Pat Hayden disregarded this booster, didn't listen. What a huge mistake. And meanwhile, the USC program has been in shambles ever since. 
Yeah, Brian Kennedy is uh, a, a big time booster. He's made a lot of money, big time USC supporter. And Ed, Ed is a great people person, probably one of the best I've been around in the coaching profession. That he's very engaging, as you mentioned, developed a great friendship with with Brian. And um, Brian really, you know, tried to push behind the scenes to get Ed the job. And as you mentioned, the whole story with with Pat Hayden and. Um, you know, it's a great story. Brian was at the game Monday. He sat in the Ed's box with um, Ed's mom, Coco, 77-year-old Coco Ogeron. Um, and so he was there and uh, was very vocal about um, the state of the USC program and what could have been, And uh, but yet I think happy in the realization that his friend is probably where he needs to be because, again, it just goes to show you – he even said, well, well, USC is a dream job, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, he never at that time thought that being the head coach at LSU was, at that time, he had never even been hired as an assistant coach at LSU. So uh, Ed, uh, Les Miles brought him as, as a defensive line coach and then eventually became recruiting coordinator, D-line coach, and then we all know the rest is history. So it just goes to show you again, um, probably having the chance to coach at LSU is something that is even greater for him than the USC job because his family, I know Kelly, well, his boys are in college now at McNeese State, but at the time, Ed lived this whole time when he was coaching at USC in a, in a hotel room. Um, his right. family stayed out in Louisiana. So at least now they, they got a place. They're, they're not, they live right down the, the subdivision, uh, not far from mine. They've got a home here in Baton Rouge, obviously, and they've still got one in the uh, Mandeville area just outside of New Orleans. So uh, it, life couldn't be greater for Ed, and I'm happy for him. A good guy that people made fun of, and um, he's proven to be a really good coach. And loves being – I don't know that anybody loves their job more than Ed o loves being the head coach at LSU. Well, I can tell you one gentleman, an astute, incredibly intelligent gentleman that didn't snicker – when Ed Orgeron was named head coach. And that would be me. Take a listen to the sound back during our college football preview, Chris, that we did back in August. You know, one of my favorite coaches, again, I mentioned that I went to Syracuse, uh, Ed Orgeron. You know, Ed uh, was kind of out of football, had some issues uh, after Miami, and the mm -hmm. guy that threw him a lifeline was Paul Pasqualoni and brought yes. him in, I believe, as the defensive line coach. He was at Syracuse, I want to say, three, four years. He was. And really did a great <clears throat> job. That's when... Syracuse is really uh, a top 10, top 15 program, and I think Dino Babers is doing a good job bringing it back. But Ed was talked about being possibly the head coach at Syracuse a um, number of years ago after they got rid of Scott Schaefer, and I would have loved it because he was a – you know, I'd see him around campus. He was just a very outgoing, charismatic guy, and he said, you know, Syracuse, I've got a very soft spot in my heart for Syracuse, and I think he's a great coach. He gets a lot of, you know, heat. LSU's not an easy place to coach, but I thought he should have gotten the USC job, but to me he's one of the better coaches uh, in, in college football. Well, there you go, Chris. Now – Dino yeah. Babers had a tough year this year. So, however, on the Ed Orgeron front, I was dead nuts on, and you you dropped an interesting nugget that he actually reached out to you to try to get some connections at Syracuse because when that job yep. opened up before Dino Babers, he had an interest in that job. And I'll tell you, he would have done great at Syracuse. There's no doubt well, in my mind. And at the time, let's put it in context. Um, Les, he was an assistant for Les Miles. Les was in and out of 
trouble. We all know that was a two-year span of Les's on the hot seat. So I think the desire to be a head coach won. And, you know, not thinking at that point that he's going to be the guy that's going to be the interim head coach when um, if Les gets hired, you know, gets fired. So all this was happening, you know, you know, back when there was a lot of uncertainty because I remember he was uh, he was in the weight room. As Ed likes to spend a lot of his free time in. I remember telling him and uh, I called him that uh, that Dino was going to get the job. And I remember him saying, who that? <laughs> who that? <laughs> yeah, who yeah. That? Who, who's that? Go orange. Go orange. He's at, he's at Bowling Green. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, he was like, yeah. oh, uh, you know, but no, it's uh, look, um, we, we all know that 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 the resources at LSU being a Louisiana guy, right. he can recruit anywhere and would have been would have been a great fit. But. Look, I, I think the LSU situation, in retrospect, um, had he gone to Syracuse, uh, maybe had he stayed at USC, maybe some of the issues there, maybe he wouldn't have had the success or maybe some success but not as much. And if that's the case, you know, off the Ole Miss, you know, job, if he doesn't perform well, th- then he never gets the opportunity. So better for him in retrospect that the job that he gets, the next opportunity that he gets – He's at LSU, where he has all the resources. He can go out and hire. The staff went from like five analysts to like twenty-five. I mean, th- th- he's able to do things that he couldn't have done at Syracuse, and quite frankly, that they could do at USC, but they right. don't do. Like, for example, one of the things we've talked about is they got probably fifteen people that are involved in the recruiting department at LSU where there's only like two to three people tops at USC, which tells you a lot about the state of what USC is doing. The state of the Pac-12, they don't make as much money as the SEC, but USC does have a lot of money. But that's some of the reasons why their recruiting has fallen off a little bit. Clay, You know, Ed would have done a better job of recruiting, would have been successful. But you know what? Those USC folks are a little funny. And a lot of people are saying you shouldn't have kept them, but you should have kept them. But a lot of those people that are pointing fingers at Pat Hayden were the very people that were pressuring Pat Hayden. You can't hire him. He's not a Trojan. He's not one of those guys. So Pat takes the fall and he deserves it. But those other people that were there kind of pushing Pat away from it too, not Brian Kennedy, right? but others. So I think in retrospect, you know, he fits perfect in, in Louisiana, and he's got all the resources that, quite frankly, uh, that they do at any big-time program. And let's make no mistake, Ed's not the great X's and O guy. He's a delegator. He's a guy that makes tough decisions and has made him very, very well. And uh, if nothing else, if he never gets back to the playoffs again, he's orchestrated the most magical year in LSU football history. And this is their fourth title, but none of them – were quite to the degree of this year. The only the second Heisman Trophy winner ever, Billy Cannon being the other. Um, you're not going to see it. Head coach of the year, assistant coach of the year, Belitnikoff winner. I mean, you name it. Every award imaginable, including the national championship, uh, is come coming home to Baton Rouge, and that uh, that's a magical year that unlike any other they've had. All right, we've got to take a timeout, Chris. Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com is our guest. Noted. Uh, expert in terms of analyzing players and draft analysis. There's a great story, Chris, that I want to share with you. I, I know you know it, 
about uh, the previous athletic director at LSU when he interviewed Ed Orgeron compared to some of the other candidates that at the time were being mentioned. So when we come back, we'll tell that story as we continue talking cigars, talking spirits, talking football, talking alpha good life maneuvers on The Cigar Dave Show. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. (laughs) That could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Dave. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. A new year is upon us, and that means that I have selected 12 fantastic monthly selections for the 2020 Cigar Dave Officers Club, and it begins this month, January 2020, with the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper, a magnificent collaboration between Alec Rubin, Bradley Rubin of Alec Bradley Cigars, and Ernesto Perez Querio of EPC Cigar. They collaborated to make a magnificent, medium-bodied, very nice rich cigar. It is the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper featuring an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. Rich, little spice, little cedar, little nuttiness on the palate, a beautiful cigar. The first of 12 fantastic monthly selections in 2020 for the Cigar Dave Officers Club, the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper. If you're not a member of the Officers Club, join now. $22.95 per month. You get three great cigars delivered to you each month. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and join now. College football has ended. Incredible game to wrap up the season, LSU winning the national championship. But don't worry, we'll start talking about the 2020 college football season. Actually, we'll start in a couple of minutes. But first, Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com rejoins us. Chris, I I mentioned before we took a timeout that there was this interesting story the previous athletic director of LSU uh, stated about Ed Orgeron. At the time... Tom Herman, who ended up going to Texas, Jimbo Fisher went from Florida State to uh, Texas A&M. They were both prominent candidates to be head coach at LSU. And the previous athletic director said when he sat down and talked to them or their representatives, their agents, the first thing out of their mouth was how much? All about the money. And when they interviewed Orgeron, it was all about the football, talking ball and his plans and what he, he envisioned. And he said that really kind of 
was the icing on the cake. And I think that tells you a lot about Ed Orgeron. And I've always believed this, that if you do the job correctly, the money will always follow. Well, and, and certainly Ed wanted the job. And, of course, the, 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 the underlying story that's not told there by Joe Oliva is that, you know, if you're Jimbo Fisher, you're, you're Tom Herman, you're at Houston, you're at Florida State, you know, the, the, the interest in the job is there, but you got to get a contract. And so the money has to come up pretty quickly when you're dealing with an agent. When you're talking to the coach, the money doesn't come up because the agent handles the money conversation and the coach talks about building the program and the vision of the program, so on and so forth. And the reality is um, Joe Oliva tried to get Jimbo Fisher twice, struck out. He offered the job to Tom Herman, and Tom Herman turned it down because basically he was using leverage to get the Texas job. And at that point, you know, give credit in people deservingly or giving credit to Joe Lever for, you know, offering the job to Ed Orgeron. But in essence, Ed wasn't the guy he wanted. He wanted the other two guys. And at that stage, was scared about going offering jobs to other people and felt at that point, you know what, let's give Ed a shot. So sometimes the best made plans are just, you get a little bit lucky and it's ironic that Joe, Joe made the comment, Joe Oliva that is because his contract where his salary with LSU has just run out. So it's funny that, you know, as LSU's had the success and he's no longer the payroll. He's been quiet since he's been replaced as AD, but he was on the payroll and an administrative role. Uh, the first step outside the door, he's living in Florida now. He, he basically reached out to a media member to kind of give the story about how much he really wanted Ed Orgeron all along, right. which was a bunch of BS because, uh, you know, Ed, Ed, he's right, though. Ed was talking about it, and Ed said, look, I, I will like, take that extra money and put it in. I will take less money, but you got to put it into support staff, hiring more for assistance. And, you know, they were paying almost $2.5 million for a coordinator and Ed was making three. That, that is unprecedented. So it shows the selflessness of Ed Orgeron and how he's viewed and how happy he was. And he, of course, is going to get paid very handsomely and rewarded for it. You're right. Put your nose down, do your job. He wanted the job, proved it, and uh, he's earned everything he's got. One of the interesting hires that just took place about a week or so ago, Mike Leach, Mississippi State. I love Mike Leach. He is odd. He is really incredibly smart. Uh, his press conference was very entertaining at Mississippi State. I think he's going to really add some fireworks to the SEC. I think he's going to do a great job. If he gets a defense, they could be, they could be dangerous. Yeah, well, problem is he never has a defense, but he, he is going to add a lot of spark. I think this is a reaction. They they deny it, and I think me uh, they, they doth protest too much there because they are – this is a reactionary hire to Lane Kiffin. Uh, they're trying to add spark, no doubt about it. I think Mike has done really intriguing things in Lubbock and in Pullman. Um I think he's overrated as a coach. I think that he gets outcoached in more games than most people realize when you break down the tape. But because he's been at off the beaten path, people are, don't hold him to the same level of scrutiny. So you'll win a couple of big games at Texas Tech. You'll win a couple of big games at Washington State. That, that's huge. But when you blow 40, a 40-point 40 lead, 4-0-point lead to USC in one quarter, 
and you blow a lot of games, I think that he's going to get exposed a little bit more that he's in the SEC. But I'm excited that they're excited at Mississippi State. Um, I do think that the fact that he's going to be in closer proximity to more talent is going to help him. But he's still going to be looking up at more talented teams in the SEC. So my prediction is watch for him to pull an upset a time or two. But consistently, if you don't play well at the line of scrimmage and you don't play good defense, you get exposed in the SEC. And if you lose games, even at a Mississippi State, they are a lot more harsher on you than they are in Pullman or in Lubbock, where, again, they don't expect you to win. Chris, we appreciate you joining us. Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. We'll talk to you soon as we get ready for college football in the draft. This is AMEN, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida. U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Well, we'll go from football and the national championship to cigars. Wait a minute. There were cigars involved in the national championship. So I guess we'll stay on cigars. We'll talk about some industry specifics. Big news announced last week regarding the 2020 Premium Cigar Association Convention, formerly known as the IPCPR, the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association Convention. We'll talk about four big companies pulling out, not attending, not exhibiting, shockwaves through the cigar industry. We'll talk about that, some of the reasons, and I'll give you some inside information, some straight information, some information I heretofore have not revealed about some situations involving the Premium Cigar Association. We'll get to that. Bonald Sanders will be joining us later on. Big big doons with Pocahontas, a Pocahontas, we'll get to that. And also, we'll talk about Greta Thunberg. How dare you? Oh, wait till you hear. There's some great, great news coming out from that front. And also, Hollywood. They're vegan. Big award ceremony last Sunday. And one of the actors that won an award, Joaquin Phoenix, talking about their vegan meal. We will get to that momentarily. Scotch, bourbon, and beer commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, as you can tell from my uh, voice, my normal dulcet tones are a little bit on the nasally side as I have had a terrible upper respiratory infection, been going around, and I am a hawk. I am a stickler. I wash my hands umpteen gazillion times. I've got the wipes all over the place. If I'm going anywhere with a supermarket or a shopping cart, I make sure I get not one wipe. I take about 40 of them and wipe everything down, wipe my hands. But somehow, some way, that nasty little bugger got into my system. So I got an upper respiratory infection. And it started just about six days ago. Started in the throat, dry throat, sore throat, down to the chest with a dry hacking cough. Then after taking cough medicine and the expectorant, loosened everything up, and now it's into the sinuses. And as bad as I sound now, I was about 400 times worse yesterday. 
Wasn't even sure if I'd be able to make it today, but here we are. I'm taking one for the Alpha team, taking a big one, but that is what we do. We suck it up, and we come to you front and center from Command Center Alpha. No cigar this week. And that's the interesting thing. When you have an upper respiratory infection, I will tell you, I have not had an urge to smoke a cigar, to look at a cigar, to smell a cigar, even if I... If I, my sense of smell right now and taste is shot because of this infection. In fact, you know it's shot. If you take a, a jar of Vicks Vapor Rub and stick it right up to your nose, you ought to smell that menthol eucalyptus vapoey aroma and scent pretty quick. Nothing. I put it right up to my nose. Not a thing. Zero. Same thing on the taste buds. But I have had zero interest in looking at a cigar, smoking a cigar, and it just shows you And we make this statement all the time, the difference between cigar connoisseurs and cigarette smokers. Cigar connoisseurs smoke cigars for the taste, for the relaxation, for the aroma. We don't smoke cigars for the nicotine. There are people, when they have a cold or an upper respiratory infection, or even the flu, they uh, smoke cigarettes, they need that nicotine. They are firing up a cigarette, they don't care. Cigars, I probably will not have a cigar until, I know I'm not going to have a cigar, probably for two weeks Because I am not going to jeopardize getting rid of this upper respiratory infection in its entirety. Now, when I do go to smoke that cigar in maybe another two weeks or so, I will thoroughly enjoy it. I will be ready. The respiratory infection will be out. But I don't have to run outside of a building. I don't have to run outside in the rain while I have this respiratory infection to go and light a cigar. Because I don't smoke cigars. You don't smoke cigars for the nicotine. We smoke cigars for the taste, for the aroma. Very big difference. Take note, FDA. Take note. Use some common sense. Cigars not consumed for the nicotine. However, those that smoke cigarettes, vaping, they smoke for the nicotine or vape for the nicotine. Very, very different. So, no litation cigar today. However, for my libation, I've got a appropriate libation to soothe the throat and the nasal passages. You've heard about a hot toddy? Well, I give my twist. It's a hot alpha. We start with some nice tea. I've got the tea bag and the hot water that are in my Buffalo Bills mug. We will share pictures with you on CigarDave.com and our social media. Hot water, and I took a couple of lemon wedges, squeezed just a little bit and dropped it in. And then I took a little bit of natural honey. The good honey, not the garbage that's processed and refined. This is the actual raw honey. Right from Florida, it's called the orange honey. I put just about a teaspoon in my tea, and then I top it off with the piece de resistance to make it the super hot alpha. Not one teaspoon of bourbon or whiskey, but two for good measure. Because what that does is it actually is good for your throat. It is good for... It uh, actually... Uh, has an effect on your vessels so that it actually opens up your nasal passages, reduces decongestion. It is actually good for you. So I've got all those ingredients. Let me take a sip here in my Buffalo Bills mug. Mm. Ah, very nice. A little bit of the honey, a little bit of the lemon, a little bit of the whiskey. In fact, I'm using Gentleman Jack, two teaspoons of Gentleman Jack, so you know. And take another sip. Hmm. Fantastic. All right. Glad that we are able to go. Now, let's talk about some very big developments in the cigar industry. Now, normally, 
I don't get this specific when it comes to industry inside information. And the reason is this. Most of you just want to know, tell me about the cigar. Tell me about the manufacturer. When can I get it? How much? What makes this cigar unique? I don't need to go in depth on the industry background and certain lobbying and things that are going on. When it's appropriate, I do it. But those of you know that have been listeners to this show, that have watched our coverage of the Cigar Retailers Convention for many, many years, we have attended every year with the exception of one, and that was three years ago, and I'll tell you why momentarily. little history. The organization now known as PCA, the Premium Cigar Association, originally known as the RTDA, the Retail Tobacco Dealers Association. They've been around for approximately 80 years. And then about 15 years ago, the organization wanted to better reflect the name or their mission of their, con- of their, their constituencies. So they changed the name to IPCPR, International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association. And then last year at the last minute, the IPCPR announced another name changed. The PCA, the Premium Cigar Association. Now, I don't believe that that accurately reflects the name or the mission of the organization. There are two other cigar organizations. One, the CAA, the Cigar Association of America, in which most of the large companies are members, so Altatus USA, General Cigar, Davidoff, uh, Swisher, Drew Estate, Perdomo Cigar, uh, Eroa Cigar, Christian Eroa, they're all members of the Cigar Association of America. And some of them are also members of the Cigar Rights of America, the CRA. The CRA was initially formed going back at least, got to be now 12 years ago or so, initially as an NRA-type organization to represent cigar connoisseurs. But it's been primarily funded by cigar manufacturers, primarily the family cigar manufacturers, the boutique cigar manufacturers. But as any organization, there may be 100 manufacturers, there's always going to be maybe... 10 or 12, a certain percentage that really do the funding. So in the CRA's case, you've got Fuente, you've got Newman, you've got Padron, you've got Rocky Patel, you've got um, Oliva Cigar, uh, there is uh, some of the other manufacturers. Uh, Perdomo's also, uh, I believe, a member as well, uh, A.J. Fernandez. But you have CAA, Cigar Association of America, Cigar Rights of America, and then now PCA. Now, to me... The name Premium Cigar Association would connote a manufacturing organization. It's not. The correct name should really be the Premium Cigar Retailers Association, the PCRA. That's the real name. But there's been some issues going back with the PCA, but we'll get to that kind of on a timeline here. But first up, let's talk about what has happened. A week ago, Altatus USA... Davidoff North America, Drew Estate General Cigar announced that they would not be attending or exhibiting at the 2020 PCA trade show in Las Vegas mid-July. They stated it was due to a number of issues, primarily the declining direction of the trade show, specifically the declining attendance, the increased cost of exhibiting, and the Premium Cigar Association's response to those trends. Together, they represent approximately 18 to 20% of the booth space 
in the convention. And when you take a look at where they were placed, they were always placed strategically because they were always the four largest booths. They were always strategically placed within the convention area so as to create traffic for some of the smaller boutique or other manufacturers. They tried. They didn't place all the big ones in one spot. They may have had Davidoff towards the front right. Maybe there was Altatus in the middle. In the left rear, there could have been Drew Estate, and then General could have been somewhere else, and so on and so forth. And they tried to spread it out. So there's a nice mix of boutique, of large, of uh, what I call mid-range, mid-tier boutique, the Rocky Patels, the Perdomos. They're much bigger than a a boutique, but they are certainly not what you would consider to be a general or Altatus. But nonetheless, they are significant, significant uh, forces in the cigar industry. So the four largest premium cigar companies, not happy. And they stated that over the last six months, they have initiated, they've had discussions with premium cigar association leadership. They have tried to raise their concerns about the structure of the trade show, the time of year it takes place, the size, the format, the economics behind it. Uh, the fact that the Premium Cigar Association is controlled exclusively by retailers, even though it is funded primarily by manufacturers through the trade show. Now, all four manufacturers clearly stated that there was no collusion, and I, I know that for fact, because I can tell you that at any association meeting, whether it's the Cigar Rights of America, the Cigar Association of America, there are always antitrust attorneys present. You have to be very careful. You cannot in any way, shape, or form, all four saying we're all going to do this together or we're all going to raise prices together. That is antitrust. That is a big, big time problem. The Department of Justice will be all over you. And I can tell you that I have served on numerous associations, primarily broadcasters associations, and we have our attorney very significantly telling us before every convention, before every board meeting, that there can be no collusion, the following items cannot be discussed, and if somebody brings up an item that is even considered to be questionable or on the fence, the antitrust attorney immediately comes in and says, cannot discuss that. We're closing that discussion down. And specific notes and specific minutes are taken of those meetings. This isn't a haphazard type of thing where they all four got together in a room and said, hey, let's do this. In fact, Perdomo Cigar initially was leaning towards not participating in this year's 2020 Premium Cigar Association Convention, and at the last minute decided they would not go along with General Altatus Davidoff and Drew Estate by not exhibiting. They decided on their own that they would show up for the Premium Cigar Association Convention. And now we're seeing a tremendous number of manufacturers all saying, we're going to be there and we're going to have bigger booth space. Gurkha came out and said they're going to have more booth space. A number of other boutique manufacturers are coming out saying the same thing. And now we're seeing many cigar retailers. Many cigar retailers who, by the way, were nowhere to be found the last five years are all of a sudden on social media saying, I'll be there, will you? Or saying, screw all this nonsense about who's coming and who's not going, we'll be there. But these are the same retailers that couldn't bother getting on an airplane and showing up to, uh, in the middle of July, any of the last five years, because they knew that all the manufacturers would give them the same discounts several weeks prior to the trade show. And that has been the primary issue that all these manufacturers have, not just the big four, 
but some of the other manufacturers. I can give you, and I won't because I've been, I've been asked to maintain confidentiality and I will not violate that trust. But there's about a dozen that have told me quietly that they have been unhappy at the attendance and the direction of the cigar retailers trade show the last five, six, seven years. And that they had been thinking about doing the same thing. And this all started last summer when Villiger Cigar, not a huge manufacturer, but they came out and said, we will not attend the, the Premium Cigar Association trade show. It's not worth the expense. We're not happy with the attendance of the retailers. We think we'll do fine without it. Well, guess what? They have. Rene Castaneda has told me that their business has been fantastic this year. Now, they've also come out with new cigars and re-imaged re, uh, their entire company. But nonetheless, they didn't miss a beat. And so now other manufacturers are looking, saying, we have been thinking of doing the same thing that General Altadis, Davidoff, and Drew Estate is now doing, but we didn't have the guts to do it. We're attending this year, but we're going to take a wait-and-see attitude. We'll see. You cannot tell me that have, not having the four largest manufacturers in attendance is not going to have an impact on the convention. Because not only does it have an impact on the convention in terms of exhibit space, but Altatus would sponsor a big breakfast to the tune of 100000 some odd dollars. General would sponsor the opening cocktail reception at a big, big rate. So now all of a sudden, the big four are not attending. They're not sponsoring cocktail parties and other related activities. And now you've got retailers saying, well, we're going to be there, even though the attendance has been shriveling for the last seven, eight years. Now, there are a number of reasons for that. And let's take a look at that. Before we talk about specifics about why the cigar manufacturers, the, the big four, pulled out and solutions to the issue, I have been stating probably the last 10 years that first and foremost... The nature of the cigar industry has changed with, all the, with the advent of all the smoking restrictions. At one time, you could smoke anywhere you wanted, indoors, in restaurants, in bars, no problem. And going back 80 years, the cigar retailers at the time, and the manufacturers under the Retail Tobacco Dealers Association, would always have their convention either in July or more specifically in August or early September in time for the fourth quarter Christmas season. They would launch all their new cigars in August, September. They would start shipping in September in time for the Christmas and holiday season. Fourth quarter was always the biggest quarter. It still may be to some retailers. But with the impact of all these cigar smoking regulations where you cannot smoke indoors, what has happened is cigars to a degree have become seasonal. If you live in the Northeast, the Midwest, the Pacific Northwest, the Southwest, in the winter months when it's cold, you are not going to sit outside unless you're Colonel Ange or Captain Paul or XO Tim. You're not going to sit outside in the sub-freezing weather and light a cigar. You're just not. Now, you'll find a retailer, but if you want to just go have a cigar after dinner or while watching a game, your ability to do so is drastically limited. So what has happened? We see now a seasonality. Nice weather starts to return, starting in spring, usually around April, May. And April, May, June, July, August, September, October, we go into, we have five, six months throughout the country of nice weather. Then we go back into the winter season. So now the seasonality has changed. 
Now, new manufacturers want to get their product out in time for what I call, and I'm using air quotes here, the cigar smoking season, which really is, I believe, March, April until November. Now, people smoke cigars year-round, yes, but I believe they consume more cigars when the weather is nice, and they can sit on their deck, they can sit in their park, outside, by their pool, have a cigar after dinner, have a cigar in the afternoon, whatever the case may be. So now manufacturers who once always release new cigars at one specific time of year, be it July, August, early September, they now are releasing cigars in January on a rolling basis. In February and March, they're launching cigars at various times of the year. They're stagnating the release dates. No longer are they saying everything is going to be released at IPCPR. We're going to now stagnate our releases. So that has had an impact. So now all of a sudden, there are many cigars. I know, for example, last year, a number of manufacturers, they already released cigars a month or two beforehand. So number one, we're seeing the change of cigar seasonality. That's first and foremost. Second, the Cigar Retailers Association, the Premium Cigar Association, although it should be the PCRA, the Premium Cigar Retailers Association Convention, has been stuck at the same location, the same city, the same horrible time of year for the last 50 years, 80 years, whatever the case is. Now, I have brought this up with the IPCPR leadership, with the PCA leadership, and every time they give me a cock and bull story saying, well, we've surveyed our members, our, our manufacturers, and they all want it in the summer. Bull. Because I've talked to umpteen members that have said, number one, or manufacturers said, we were never approached. And the ones that were all said, this should be probably in February or March. And it should alternate. It shouldn't be in the middle of the desert 120 degrees in the middle of summer in Las Vegas. It should be, it should alternate. It should be February, March. One year you can have it in Vegas. One year you should have it on the East Coast in Miami, Orlando, or Tampa. And if they got rid of some of the junk, the massage chairs and some of the other uh, exhibitors, they could easily accommodate it in Tampa, Miami, no problem. So it's at the wrong time of year. It's in the wrong location. That's just a start. And the show has not changed. It's the same format, same exact thing. The prices keep going up. And what has happened? Retailers have lost the incentive to attend because now discount deals are being offered to everyone. And when I come back, I'll tell you a story about one of the manufacturer's reps who told me who was sitting around at last year's Premium Cigar Association trade show and convention telling me, what percentage of their orders were already written the week or two prior to the convention? We'll continue around the corner. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is the gatekeeper from Alec and Bradley. This cigar was blended with the help of Ernesto Perez Carrillo. This beautiful stick has notes of cedar, nuts, and leather, giving it a smooth and rich profile. You can get cigars like these shipped directly to you every month by joining the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Get details at CigarDave.com.
1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Standing in the face of gale force winds of political correctness, it's the General Cigar Dave. The Premium Cigar Association Convention this year will be missing General Cigar, Altadas USA, Davidoff North America, Drew Estate Cigars. And I believe that will be just the beginning. Now, it's not just the cigar industry that is facing issues with trade shows. I remember at one time, I actually hosted a golf show on Fox Sports Radio called Foreplay on Fox Sports Radio, Saturday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. I would attend the PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando that took the entire convention center, humongous show. And about 12, 14 years ago, about maybe 10, 12 years ago, one of the manufacturers, Callaway, said that they were not going to attend. They were going to pull out. And when you looked at how much they spent, I mean, millions of dollars on their booth. Their booth space was probably 25,000 square feet, multiple levels. And what was happening was they were finding that the expense was not worth the revenue they were generating at that show. So they made a decision. And what they did instead was say, we are going to bring our customers to us. We'll pay for them to show up to us. We'll do a big weekend, non-competing retailers. And we know that For example, 70% of our business comes from maybe 40% of our retailers, and those are the ones we're going to cater to. And some other people pulled out as well. Convention and trade shows have lost their luster. Why have they lost their luster? Well, before, you'd have to see somebody one-on-one. The Internet has changed things. Now there's video. Now people can go online and they can see what they want. Everything has changed. Before, the only way to get an order was pick up the phone or you'd have to see your representative, whether it was a golf representative or a cigar representative. Now, you go right online. Do it right from your phone. So the awareness, the information for retailers is better. The watch convention, numerous large manufacturers, watch manufacturers pulled out. You look at the golf show, numerous have pulled out. Trade shows and conventions have changed. It's just a function of time. It's not what it used to be. 
And ultimately, when these companies look, the, the, the complaints about attendance at the Premium Cigar Association Convention every year have gotten worse and worse and worse. And it doesn't help that the last two leaders, and I can't really speak with the current executive director because, frankly, I haven't met him. He's never reached out to me. At one time, we had great relationships with the previous executive directors or the CEOs of the PCA, the IPCPR, and the RTDA. Couldn't do enough for us. They recognized our contribution to the industry by informing consumers about new products, by interviewing manufacturers, by being the first in the country over electronic airwaves, radio, internet, to fight the enemies of pleasure, to fight the battle. They've never reached out. And actually, three years ago, I had a horrible experience with them because we, every year, would do a big video setup, big presentation. And we would have our, our sponsors that would defray our costs. It certainly wasn't a moneymaker. We weren't there selling. It's not like we're a cigar manufacturer writing orders for whatever, half a million dollars of cigars or a million dollars of cigars. But it was a convention that we have always been at. We felt it was the epicenter. We needed to be there, both for manufacturers to uh, tell consumers what's going on, for us to be in front of manufacturers, for the industry to get in front of consumers. And we had a wonderful relationship. And three years ago, I get a call from the executive director at the time, another winner, stating, well, the space you want, we're going to have to charge you $18,000 for. We have never been charged in the past. The publicity that we have generated for the cigar industry is far in excess of $18,000 over the years, I can tell you that. And then they came back and said, well, okay, we'll put you in a basement and we'll only charge you $9,000. And then they came back again and said, well, we can do this and this, but we're still going to have to charge you this. And my answer was, F off. I'm done. This show will continue whether or not we attend the Premium Cigar Association Convention. This show will continue whether or not we broadcast front and center and have the manufacturers on. In fact, I can tell you that we've already been approached by manufacturers that would like to do something unique prior to the Premium Cigar Association Convention. And we're exploring some very interesting options, some nice interactive options that the manufacturers can interact with you, the consumer. So the industry has, the, the association has not only been not responsive to manufacturers, the entire board is made up of retailers, even though the manufacturers are paying the freight. They have not listened to suggestions. They have not brought in any manufacturers in numbers to say, look, tell us your concerns. We are really interested. We want to work together because this is our number one moneymaker. When you look at the amount that the convention, the, the convention represents for the Premium Cigar Association, it is millions of dollars. The overwhelming majority of their budget is comprised of revenue and profit from the Premium Cigar Association Convention and Trade Show. So now all of a sudden you've alienated manufacturers, you've alienated media, and then they have a cockamamie, and I'm going to tell you another thing they did. And this happened to every member of media. The day before the 2019 convention, late June, early July, an email goes out to every member of the media that's registered stating, please do not conduct any interviews in the booths during the trade show as you're taking manufacturers away from selling opportunities. Even though 
Most of us work on an appointment basis. For example, when I go to see people, I've got appointments. I, I make appointments and book ahead of time. I respect their time, as do many other members of the media as well. Now, there are times when I'm walking along and they'll snag me in and I'll say, you know what, let's do a quick interview. No problem. It's not like they're sitting there nonstop eight hours a day writing continuous orders, especially with the mediocre attendance that we've seen that has been dwindling every year. So the Premium Cigar Association, they haven't endeared themselves to the manufacturers. They haven't endeared themselves to the media. And frankly, I don't think they've endeared themselves to the retailers. Because the retailers go, and there's no incentive for them when it's the same thing every year. How about changing it up? How about looking and saying, hey, maybe we should do a couple of mini conventions. Maybe we should do one on the West Coast and one on the East Coast. Hey, why don't we try one year of moving it to Tampa or Miami, two cities that would love to host it, that would get special dispensations to allow smoking in their convention centers. That I know for a fact. And let's move it to February or March. So now retailers would have an incentive not only to come down at a better time of year where they can combine it with a vacation or a nice getaway out of the cold weather, but it's also more in line with when cigar smoking season actually occurs. So when companies aren't getting return, when they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and not writing the orders to justify it, when they get no say, when their concerns are not listened to, when essentially it's a small group of retailers, four or five retailers on an executive committee that run the show, and maybe even less than that, and the venue is not great, and the dates are terrible, it's at the wrong time of year, then all of a sudden you're going to look and people are going to say, manufacturers are going to say, do we really need this? The return is not there. Hey, let's, I got a better idea, and I'm sure manufacturers are thinking this. They will invite and they will pay for their retailers to come down to their headquarters in Florida, I'll guarantee you, Davidoff, Altatis, Drew Estate, Generals in Virginia, but nonetheless, nothing says, hey, let's do a weekend for our top 50 retailers, the guys that write the big business. We'll pay to come down for three days, and we'll be exclusively have the opportunity to wine and dine you and schmooze you and show you our new products and write orders. If you don't think that's not going to happen, think again. It's going to happen. And then you had another issue whereby, in the state of Maryland, the Premium Cigar Association uh, actually, you have to remember that many of the big manufacturers, Altatus owns Cigars International and Thompson Cigar. Altatus, or General Cigar owns Cigars International and Thompson. Altatus owns JR Cigar. And they're also retailers. So yes, they're manufacturers, and yes, they're internet and catalog retailers, but they also have brick-and-mortar stores. And in Maryland, a representative of the Premium Cigar Association lobbied for an excise tax only on catalog and online sales, and that further ticked off Altatus and General and some of the other members who have attended, including Famous Smoke Shop and Arthur Zaritsky, the owner of Famous Smoke Shop, had a letter, and I'll read that in just a few minutes. So overall, what has happened now is you've got all these, uh, the, the, many of the retailers, they're now saying, oh, these are colluders. These four, the, the Altatus and General Drew Estate and, and, and uh, uh, General, all four of these companies, they're all colluding. Well, they're not colluding, but they're calling them the colluders. And meanwhile, they're all saying, well, we're going to show them and we are going to attend. And all these people are on social media, retailers that have never bothered to show up before are now saying, oh, yeah, we'll be there. I will guarantee you today, 
The attendance won't be better. It'll be worse by retailers. And there's another little sticking point. Manufacturers have never gotten an accurate count of what the attendance is. Now, as the convention has gotten bigger and bigger, taking up more space, it looks thinner and thinner because when you have more space and the same number of people or less people spread out over more space, it looks a little thin. And I can tell you that last year after the first day, it started to thin out dramatically. And one of the manufacturer's reps who was sitting at a table, I went up to him and I said, hey, what do you got, no orders to write? And he looked at me and he said, that's right. He said, I've got 130 accounts in my territory. In the last three weeks, out of 130 accounts, 95% of my accounts have already given me their orders. I've got maybe a dozen accounts showing up over the next day or two. And it was so quiet that the manufacturer is supposed to be there for three days. They sent them after the second day. Sent them that night and said, go back home. And they started to reduce staff. A number of manufacturers did last year. So manufacturers have never gotten an accurate count. We hear 777. We hear it's, it's 800. We hear 500. But they never tell you how many stores that represents. They never tell you, are those individual stores? Is it out of 777 retailers? Is that maybe 300 stores represented? They never give an accurate count. And you don't need an accurate count because manufacturers can see the dwindling traffic. Now, the PCA has really remained mum. They haven't talked to the media on this. They've gone into a shell. The only thing they released was a letter. Let me read this. And it went to the PCA members. Dear PCA member, as you may have heard from today's press releases, four companies announced they will not exhibit at PCA 2020. We want to assure you that the world's biggest premium cigar and pipe show is on with over 110,000 square feet of space booked by hundreds of family-owned companies. The four companies not attending represent 12% of show space. I don't believe that, by the way. And since the announcement, many exhibitors have reached out to PCA to secure booth space, potentially expand their footprint, or relocate to the vacated space. I don't believe that either. And I think the PCA is probably giving space or cutting big-time deals. The PCA 2020 show will be full with the family-owned manufacturers who support the brick-and-mortar retailers and whose products fill our humidors. It's important than ever that family-owned businesses that built this industry come together. This year, PCA 2020 will have some exciting new features to showcase new products and help retailers and exhibitors create and enhance relationships. Yeah, I'm yawning on that one. We'll be rolling out new information in the coming weeks and months on those developments. Well, if they had these developments and it was so exciting, why didn't they announce it? Two months ago, three months ago, six months ago, after the last convention. It says the PCA trade show remains not only the most important business event in the premium cigar and pipe industry, but also our greatest asset in fighting back regulations on both state and federal levels. Your membership and attendance at the PCA trade show directly finances the industry's legal challenge against the FDA. To date, along with our partners at Cigar Rights of America, we have spent a combined $4.5 million just on legislation against FDA regulatory oversight, not to mention... The millions we spend every year on our legislative agenda. Those efforts have benefited the entire industry. And then it says our biggest priority remains keeping a pathway for new products to come to market. We're making incredible new headways and achieving major regulatory relief. We thank you for your continued support. Look forward to seeing you in Vegas this July at PCA 2020. Well, they talk about the fact that they've spent all this money on legislation and on regulatory oversight. That's true. Each, both the Cigar Rights of America and the PCA have each spent just over 
two and a quarter million dollars each. So four and a half million is accurate. But you have to remember that many of these large manufacturers, Altadis, Davidoff, Swisher, which now owns Drew Estate, General Cigar, J.C. Newman, Perdomo, Camacho, before they were acquired by Davidoff, Christian Aroa was very involved and still is, they were writing big checks before the Cigar Rights of America and before the Premium Cigar Association of America or the IPCPR predecessor or RTDA even stroked a check. The Cigar Association of America has been battling and has been writing checks for many, many years, far longer than the CRAs had been in existence and far longer than the PCA has started uh, contributing to the legislative kitty. So let's not minimize what the big four have done in any way, shape, or form. That's not right. We're always honest on the show. We call it like it is. Arthur Zaritsky, a famous smoke shop, open letter. We'll post this letter. Basically stating he's been going for many, many years, and he's always supported it. But why should he go to a, a, a convention, support an organization that's trying to screw him? He's got a brick-and-mortar store. They're trying to basically throw him under the bus with excise taxes and not being responsive to their needs as well. So this is going to be a big issue. My prediction, the attendance, regardless of what all these retailers say, they're going. there's always the diehards that are going to be there. The diehards. The Corona cigars are going to be there. The outlaw cigars in Kansas City, they're going to be there. Uh, be there. Uh, other big retailers are going to be there. And there's going to be some small mom and pops that always are there. I, I can see the same people. They come in, they attend, they support. But the overwhelming majority of retailers, there's 2,700 or 2,500 cigar retailers in the country. A fraction, maybe 15% of overall retailers bother showing up. So what is going to happen this year is the big four are out. Other companies are going to say, we're not getting the bang on our buck. We're not getting the return on our investment. We're going to back out. We're not going to show up in the future. We're not going to pay this kind of money. The prices keep going up. It's the same crappy venue in Vegas in the middle of summer, 120 degrees. Who wants to do that? The convention should be in February or March. And oh, by the way, last year, the Premium Cigar Association Association came up with this great idea, unbeknownst virtually to any manufacturer, that they were going to create... In 2020, what they called CigarCon, that one day would be dedicated solely of the convention, an additional day to allowing consumers on the floor. Manufacturer, retailers weren't thrilled about it. Manufacturers weren't thrilled about it. And they came out and said, yes, we're going to do this. We expect huge attendance, thousands of attendance. Oh, and by the way, we're probably going to lose 300000 the first year on doing it. Nobody was excited about that. Before they bother with a consumer show, they need to fix the trade show. So numerous complaints. I have not decided if I'm going to be attending this year. I am gravitating towards not attending. I believe that we will have the ability to do some very unique things with the technology that we now have in place, video technology with being able to get word out and video out on a mobile basis, on the Internet, unique platforms, where we can get information out to you ahead of the Premium Cigar Association convention. So we'll keep an eye on things, but I always want to be clear and want to be very forthright on what has happened. And this is what I call inside baseball. A lot of insider talk, but it's important that you know 
what exactly goes on. And so I think if the Premium Cigar Association would be smart, they'd talk to all these manufacturers, talk to other boutique manufacturers, and get a true partnership and start listening instead of dictating and doing the same damn trade show every damn year in the same damn warm, hot Vegas desert. Final and concluding segment of this edition of The Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. If you're a beginner, or if you just enjoy a great mild cigar, like I do, in the morning, I suggest you try the Vintage 99. This seven-year-old Connecticut wrapper delivers a creamy, mild, smooth flavor. It's very, very balanced on your palate, and it absolutely is delightful. Tons of flavor, a perfect draw, and an incredible ash. This cigar is smooth, it will entice you to enjoying more and more of the Vintage 99s. It's just a nice, great, balanced, smooth cigar. Look for it, the oldest Connecticut shape in the market today. I'm Rocky Patel, and I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General warning, cigar smoking can cause cancer and heart disease. A new year is upon us, and that means that I have selected 12 fantastic monthly selections for the 2020 Cigar Dave Officers Club, and it begins this month, January 2020, with the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper, a magnificent collaboration between Alec Rubin, Bradley Rubin of Alec Bradley Cigars, and Ernesto Perez Querio of EPC Cigar. They collaborated to make a magnificent, medium-bodied, very nice Rich Cigar. It is the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper featuring an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. Rich, little spice, little cedar, little nuttiness on the palate, a beautiful cigar. The first of 12 fantastic monthly selections in 2020 for the Cigar Dave Officers Club, the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper. If you're not a member of the Officers Club, join now, $22.95 per month. You get three great cigars delivered to you each month. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and join now. A happy birthday to Butcher Dave up in the Western New York Theater of Operations. I guarantee you, he's got some great giant hunks of meat he'll be enjoying. Put a birthday candle in there, Butcher Dave, and uh, happy birthday from the entire Cigar Dave crew. Reminder that the Alec and Bradley Gatekeepers, the January 2020 Officers Club selection, beautiful stick from Alec and Bradley Rubin, Alan uh, Rubin's sons. Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Dominican and Nicaraguan filler. If you're not a member of the Officers Club, go to CigarDave.com. $22.95 per month. You get three fantastic cigars. Real quickly, Sergeant Steve, hit the Bernard Sanders audio after the debate on Tuesday. I think you 
called me a liar on national TV? What? I think you called me a liar on national no. TV. Let's not do it right now. You want to have that discussion? We'll have that Any discussion. You called me. You told me. All right, let's not do it I'm now. Not, I don't want to get in the middle, but I just want to say hi, Bernie. Yeah, good. Okay. Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, Tom, for coming out. Now, get out, get out of the way. Bernard Sanders, let me tell you something. You called me a liar, Focahontas. You are a liar. You are a liar of your Indian descent. You're an absolute liar. I never said a woman couldn't win. You made the damn thing up. I'm coming after you, Focahontas. I'm coming. I'm finding where your teepee, where you live in your teepee, and I'm coming after you. I'm just telling you right now. Tom Steyer, yeah, good. Thanks for coming up to me. Get the hell out. I got, I got to deal with this broad right now. Bernard Sanders was not happy, but I love seeing Bernard Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, Focahontas, the Democrats going after each other. Keep whacking each other. Beautiful, beautiful sight. Cigar Day of the General saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Keep America great. Screw the enemies of pleasure. As I take one final sip of my hot Alpha, I made it through the show. It's a miracle. <laughs>